MSW Media. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Monday, November 22nd, 2021. Today, an attempted breach of an Ohio County election network draws federal scrutiny. A federal judge faults Trump for the insurrection. President Biden replaces Trump appointee Ron Bloom on the Postal Board of Governors. The GOP has a bad men problem. And a Michigan state Republican has been charged with assaulting a nurse. I'm Allison Gill. And I'm Dana Goldberg. Hello, Dana. How was your weekend? Uh, it has been good. You know, I um, I, I went shopping for pumpkin pie ingredients and it's going <laughs> to end up costing me like $100 to make a pumpkin pie from scratch when I could probably buy one. But there's some joy in actually making a pumpkin pie from scratch. Have I done this before, you ask? No, I have not. So we're going to see how it goes. $100 pumpkin pie. Thanks, Obama. Yeah, it must be the supply chain. Actually, it wasn't $100. It'd be really fun. We'll see how it goes. I'll let everyone know how it turned out. <laughs> Speaking of the supply chain, it seems that it's already peaked. The prices are going down. Inflation was temporary, I believe, uh, as we have been saying. We just need to stop listening to some of the new, like mainstream media out there. And interestingly, as soon as Biden started trying to he was going to fine businesses $100 a day to keep their cargo ships and shit out waiting on you know Long Beach port specifically in Los Angeles port as soon as he started doing that boy the ships came in quickly and the weight is down like 34% now so mm-hmm, yeah if you want to talk about how awesome capitalism is uh, let's talk about them purposefully leaving shit out not being able to bring it into dock so that they can raise prices mm. yep Sketchy fuckers, sketchy little mm-hmm. fuckers. They could just pay their people more. Or they could do that. Yeah. First of all, uh, today, I just want to let everybody know we're going to be talking to Richard Davies. He's the host of the How Do We Fix It podcast. We're going to discuss journalism in a teetering democracy and the role podcasts play. A couple other breaking stories over the weekend. Kyle Rittenhouse could face federal charges because Representative Gerald Nadler has the head of the Judiciary Committee in the House. He's written a letter asking the Department of Justice to review have the Civil Rights Division and the Department of Justice review Rittenhouse and what he did. And he tweeted, this is heart, a heartbreaking verdict. It's a miscarriage of justice. sets a dangerous precedent, which justifies a federal review by the Department of Justice. Justice cannot tolerate armed persons crossing state lines looking for trouble while people engage in First Amendment protected protests. You know, I had tweeted that, you know, I believe Here, actually, I'll just read it to you. I said, I believe Rittenhouse deprived people of their constitutionally protected right to protest. And I'm not talking about depriving the people who he murdered. He deprived them of their lives. But not only the night that he murdered those two people, but into the future, as many will be emboldened by his acquittal. To me, that's reason enough for the civil rights investigation by the Department of Justice. We will see what happens over at DOJ. I think it's well said. I had a a fan tweet at me that said basically the Second Amendment just ate the first and it's horrible precedent to set. Oh, yeah, that's a really, really good way to put it. And also in in news over the weekend, before we get into the, the hot notes here, a federal judge on Friday placed the blame for the insurrection on Donald Trump, suggesting the former president's role in seeding lies about the 2020 election and the effect it had on his followers has been an underappreciated part of the entire episode. Of course, this is Judge Amit Mehta, He issued his commentary as he delivered a 14-day jail sentence to a January 6th rioter, John Lolos, a sentence Meta said he shortened in part to reflect the fact that Lolos was responding to Trump's call. So now we have federal judges shortening sentences for people saying that it's because Trump told them to. And that's going to be very interesting in potential future criminal cases, I think, personally. I think you're probably right there. And beans are on. The beans are on. The beans are on. Dun, 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 <laughs> on the <laughs> street. Oh, my God. That might be a new segment. Inside your head. <laughs> beans on the street. Oh, my God. We have to start a beans on the street. Beans on the street. We'll do it. We'll do it. All right. We're going to do it. Okay. I'm writing it down right now. And I think that's <laughs> what we'll call the episode. Beans on the street. Beans are on. And that'll be the theme song. Sweet. All right, cool. We've got all that out of the way. Let's let's get to the news part of the show, shall we? Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. 
All right. Big news this weekend is uh, President Biden on Friday announced plans to nominate two former federal officials to the U.S. Postal Service's governing board, replacing key allies of DeJoy, including its Democratic chairman. The move was a surprise to postal officials and even members of Congress, according to three people familiar with the matter, and it cast doubts on DeJoy's future at the agency. Hooray! Thank God! It potentially gives liberals on the panel two crucial votes to oust the postal chief, who can be removed only by the board. Biden can't fire him. Everyone just, I think everyone listening knows that, but there seems to be people who don't. The people spoke to Politico on the condition of anonymity so they could talk about private discussions. The White House on Friday confirming a Washington Post report on the decision announced it would nominate Daniel Tangerlini, who served as the administrator of the General Services Administration. That's the GSA. Remember GSA, Emily? Oh, yes, I do. <laughs> yep. He was the administrator of the GSA during the Obama administration, and and he's going to replace Ron Bloom. Derek Kahn, a Republican and the former deputy director of the Office of Management and Budget, will replace Republican John Barger or Barger. I don't know. Asshole. That's what his name is. Quote, we are, of course, deeply troubled, continue to be deeply troubled, as many Americans are, by the earlier reporting on DeJoy's potential financial conflicts of interest and take serious issues with the job he's doing running the Postal Service. That's White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki talking on Friday during a press conference, quote, it's up to the board to make the determination about leadership, but we've continued concerns about the Postmaster General's leadership. That means this he's getting fired. He's fucking getting fired. The nine-member board is now composed of four Democrats, four Republicans, and one independent, of whom Biden appointed three. The rest were appointed by former President Trump. Biden's decision came as a surprise, as I said, to the postal industry and policymakers in Washington. Bloom, Ron Bloom, as recently as last week, told confidants he expected to be renominated. I didn't hear that or I would be screaming about it when he said that. <laughs> uh, board members are nominated by the president, confirmed by the Senate. They serve staggered seven year terms that matriculate regardless of whether the seat on the board is occupied. No more than five members may belong to the same party. Biden appointed three governors, two Democrats and one independent in February. And as a matter of arithmetic, this gives Biden five appointees on the board. So that spells trouble for DeJoy and his controversial postal plan. The fact that Jen Psaki is coming out to the White House press briefing room and saying, yeah, everybody hates that fucking guy. And uh, and so we're nominating some cool dudes. Lovely. I'm paraphrasing. but there I hope that this does lead to his termination. He, he should not be in here as long as he has been. Yep. Criminal. Criminal indeed. All right. So over the summer, Michigan State Senator John Bison, he, okay, so this is the setup. He walked into an urgent care clinic in Marshall, Michigan, and he was seeking an examination. And that's what the police said. So basically he was taken to patient room number three, where a nurse practitioner prescribed him over-the-counter medication after the senator described his symptoms. Now, Bison, Bison, whoever this guy is, who was sitting on the exam table, said he did not understand her medication recommendations. The nurse practitioner told the police. So she pulled up a picture of the drug on her laptop to explain further. Now, that's when Bison, 70 years old, allegedly placed his right hand on her waist and pulled her toward him. He then squeezed the woman's waist with his right hand in a cupping motion and told her that he was an ear, nose, and throat doctor. Hmm. That's what the nurse told police. Okay. Now, I don't know what the fuck. Yes, uh, the 52-year-old nurse, whom authorities did not identify, was so shocked that she didn't say anything at the time. That's what she told police. Now, by the end of the consultation, after the nurse declined to prescribe other drugs for his illness, Bison got off the exam table visibly angry, and that's according to Marshall Police Department incident report. He repeatedly stated that he was disappointed in her and left the Oakland After Hours Express building, and that's, again, what the police said. Now, the Republican senator is facing a misdemeanor assault charge alleging that he touched the nurse practitioner inappropriately. Again, according to police. Now, neither Bison nor his attorney immediately responded to messages from the Washington Post early Thursday. A representative of Oaklawn Medical Group, which operates the clinic, also did not immediately respond to a message seeking comment. Now, the police report does not specify what Bison was being treated for when he visited the clinic on August 14th. But when an investigator contacted him four days later, the senator said that he had tested positive for the coronavirus and was in quarantine. Double whammy. Yes. Sexual assault and an anti-vaxxer. Cool. Cool. Sounds like an upstanding fella. Mm, yep. Republican buys on. Now, Michigan? Yeah, Michigan state rep. Great. Cool dude. Okay. Now, more evidence. The feds are moving up the food chain investigating the attempted coup. 
Federal and state investigators are examining an attempt to breach an Ohio County's election network that bears striking similarities to an incident in Mesa County, Colorado earlier this year when government officials helped an outsider gain access to the county voting systems in an effort to, quote unquote, find fraud. Data obtained in both instances were distributed at an August cyber symposium on election fraud hosted by the pillow guy, Mike Lindell, an ally of Trump, as we know, who he spent millions of dollars promoting false claims that the 2020 election was rigged. I think he still believes Trump will be reinstated on Thanksgiving. He believes a lot of things that are just ludicrous. (laughs) Hmm. The attempted breach in Ohio occurred on May 4th inside the county office of John Hamercheck, Republican chairman of the Lake County Board of Commissioners, according to two individuals with knowledge of the incident who spoke on the condition of anonymity. State and county officials say no sensitive data were obtained, but they determined that a private laptop was plugged into the county network in Hamercheck's office and that the routine network traffic captured by the computer was circulated at the same cyber symposium Lindell Pillow Guy conference as the data from the Colorado breach. Together, the incidents in Ohio and Colorado point to an escalation in attacks on the nation's voting systems by those who have embraced Trump's false claims about election fraud in 2020. Now, some Trump loyalists pushing for legal challenges and partisan audits are also targeting local officials in a bid to gain access to election systems, moves that themselves could undermine election security, just having, you know, breaching those data. An FBI spokeswoman confirmed Thursday that the Bureau is investigating the incident in Lake County, but declined to comment further. Investigators are trying to determine whether someone on the fifth floor of the Lake County government building improperly accessed the computer network and whether any laws were violated. They were. Investigators with the office of Ohio Secretary of State Frank LaRose, Republican, believe a government official appears to have facilitated the attempted breach of the election network in Lake County. And as we know, last week we reported the FBI raided the homes of Tina Peters, that's the Mesa County, Colorado mm-hmm. clerk, and uh, also Lauren Boebert's campaign manager there. So this is, uh, uh, this to me says that the, the feds are investigating this. And yes, I know these are local FBI offices, okay? But this feels like Pillow Guy is a target. Oh, I hope Mike Lindell goes down for something. I just want him out of the general public and in behind bars. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, we're moving to New York. No, we're not. Just give me an edit. I don't know what the fuck that was. No. I'm so sorry. No, I'm leaving that in. That's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) All right, fine. Leave it in. All right, this last story. I don't know what's happening. This last story, and from Michelle Cottle at the New York Times is why I said that. The GOP has a bad men problem. Now, how upbeat is the Republican Party about its prospects for taking control of the House and Senate next year? Mm, so upbeat that it apparently is cool, totally cool, with the fact that there are three, three Senate races, Georgia, Missouri, and Pennsylvania. Now, it has all three of those races have leading candidates who have been accused of harassing, abusing, threatening, or otherwise mistreating women. Shocker. Now, once upon a time, the situation likely would have provoked a major display of concern, or at least an attempt at damage control by the Republican establishment. Instead, many party officials are brushing off related questions like pesky bits of like dryer fluff, like whatever. Now, while the particulars of these cases vary, the allegations, the candidates' responses, the warmth of the party's embrace, the creeping not-so-casual misogyny is indicative of a very dark path down with former President Trump continues to lead the GOP. Now, it's not simply that Mr. Trump has long worn his shabby treatment of women like a perverse merit badge, a symbol of how the rules of decent society do not apply to him. We've seen this over and over. He's also made the Republican Party a welcoming place for other people like him. I'm just going to put it there because it says like-minded men. I'm not even sure that's even appropriate. (laughs) Now, as president, rarely, this is still talking about Trump, Rarely did he confront a harassment or abuse scandal in which he didn't make clear his sympathies for the accused and his skepticism of the accusers. Pity the poor harassers. That's what he did. So misunderstood, so persecuted by humorless prigs. And it almost takes the fun out of groping random chicks, doesn't it? Mm. This article was really well written, by the way. In Georgia, Herschel Walker. So we're going to go to the first one. We've got Georgia. We got Herschel Walker, who we as most people know is the former NFL star. Now he's been accused of a host of erratic and frightening behavior, including threatening his ex-wife's life while pointing a gun at her head. Now some episodes he has denied, others he's chalked up to his struggle with mental illness. 
about which he wrote a book in 2008. Now, he credits his therapy and Christianity with saving him. Mm. Please remember that. In September, the former guy endorsed Mr. Walker. Party leaders, including Mitch McConnell, are probably hoping that Mr. Walker's violent history won't much bother voters, or better yet, that it will play as an inspiring redemption story. Look who he is now. Mm. Now we move to Missouri. We've got Eric Greitens. Now, he is hoping for political vindication after stepping down as governor in 2018 amid a swirl of scandal. His bad behavior allegedly included threatening a woman with whom he had an affair to keep her mouth shut about it, or else he'd make a public or explicit photo of her that he'd snapped without her permission. He would just make that public. Mr. Greitens is still in hot pursuit of the former guy's endorsement, but he already has a number of the Trump world stars in his corner. Now, the Trump pollster, Tony Fabrizio, uh, this great guy, has signed on with his campaign with who else? Kimberly Guilfoyle. I know. I'm sure you know who that is. But if you don't, she's that former Trump campaign aide and Don Jr.'s girlfriend, probably cocaine buddy, allegedly, is its national chair. Now, Bernard Carrick, the former New York City police commissioner, and Rudy Giuliani, who at point defies meaningful description, have stumped in the state for Mr. Greitens. All either criminals or under criminal investigation. All of them. Except for Kimberly Guilfoyle, who's soon to be. Yeah, let me add another. Michael Flynn. He's got Michael Flynn in his corner. Yep, yep. At the former guys, as we know, disgraced national security advisor. He's given him his endorsement, which I'm not sure what that carries, but it carries. Now, finally, we go to Pennsylvania. So Sean Parnell, he's neck deep in a custody battle with his estranged wife, who has testified that he verbally and physically abused her and their children. Now, he's flatly denied all accusations. Mr. Parnell was endorsed by the former guy shortly before the controversy erupted. Now, other party leaders have been loath to comment on the unfolding drama. As recently, whether in light of a hubbub, of the hubbub, I'm telling you, whoever wrote this, I love that it's in our script. Mr. Parnell was the right man to be the nominee. That's from Senator Rick Scott of Florida, the head of the National Republican Senatorial Committee. Now, he insisted it was inappropriate for him to take sides in a primary. He said, we have Republican and Democrat primaries across the country. And in Pennsylvania, we have both Republicans and Democrats have primaries. And so we'll see who comes out of the primary. He's a very well-spoken man. Mm. If you didn't understand that quote, it's because it doesn't make any fucking sense. (laughs) Yes. And thank you, Rick Scott, for your impressive moral leadership down in Florida. (laughs) Yeah, I'm with you. I I have to hand it to uh, Cottle, I believe her name is. Yeah, Michelle Cottle at the New York Times. This article is so well written. It really is. I mean, I just love the nuances and the, the language. The hubbub. It's so passive aggressively accurate. Mm-hmm. You know, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. Well written about a terrible, terrible subject. Yeah. So that's yeah. And you add that to the Michigan State guy and uh, pretty much, you know, what, we'll see what happens with Matt Gates. I mean, uh, and, and I think earlier today, somebody said that uh, Paul Gosar said he would arm wrestle Matt Gates for the rights to hire Kyle Rittenhouse as an intern. So <laughs> disgusting. Somebody tweeted, well, <laughs> there goes another onion reporter going, damn it, and crumpling up a piece of paper and throwing it away. Totally. All right. We'll be right back with Richard Davies. He's the host of the How Do We Fix It podcast. We're going to discuss journalism and the impact of podcasts right after this quick break. Stay with us. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody. It's AG. Today's episode of The Beans is brought to you by Cometeer, the most delicious coffee brewed better through science. Cometeer is frozen, pre-brewed coffee in pocket-sized recyclable capsules that you melt to make. No equipment needed. With Cometeer, you can always get barista-quality coffee or lattes in minutes. I used to load my weak coffee up with cream and sugar, but Cometeer is so smooth and balanced, I like to have it black now. Cometeer is so simple to make, they discovered a new way to make coffee. After the brewing process, it's flash-frozen to lock in the aromas and flavors and freshness. Then you melt it. You just add the frozen little thing to a cup of hot water for a couple minutes. And for iced coffee, just pour the melted coffee into water with ice. Yes, it's iced coffee in 10 seconds flat. And lattes are just as easy. Cometeer arrives each month to my home and features the best regional specialty roasters with enough capsules for 32 cups. It's the kind of delicious variety I've always wanted. And we have a special offer just for listeners. For a limited time, you can get $20 off your first order, 10 free cups, and shipping is always free. But only when you visit cometeer.com slash beans20. That's cometeer, C-O-M-E-T-E-E-R dot com slash beans20. I was skeptical at first, uh, but I mean, it's brewed coffee. You melt to make. You don't need a coffee maker. You don't need a press. 
You don't need anything. I wish I had this in my dorm because I just had one of those electric kettles. That's, you know, you just put the hot water. That's it. That's all you need. It's truly one of the best, if not the best tasting cups of coffee I've ever had. If you like coffee at all, this is taste to believe. That's cometeer.com slash beans20 to save $20 off your first order. A new day has arrived on Earth for coffee. That's cometeer, C-O-M-E-T-E-E-R.com slash beans20. Today's show is also brought to you by Chili Sleep. Do you know that women are at higher risk of poor sleep and quality and sleep deprivation because of hormonal changes that disrupt our circadian rhythms and negatively impact our overall health? And that can later lead to hot flashes and night sweats in up to 85% of women making sleep impossible. And even if you put the cell phone down and turn the lights off and get your blue screens off, your body still needs one final trigger to let it know it's time to go to sleep. And that trigger is a decrease in body temperature that hacks your primal response and convinces your body it's time to go to sleep. And that's where Chili Sleep comes to the rescue. Chili Sleep makes the Uller and Cube sleep systems customizable, hydro-powered, temperature-controlled mattress toppers that fit over your awesome existing mattress to provide your ideal sleep temperature. These luxury mattress pads keep your bed at the perfect temperature for deep sleep, whether you sleep hot or cold. Women involved in the Wake Forest menopause study say Chili Sleep's bedding products made significant changes to their sleep patterns and their sleep ability. Some 57% saw a decrease in hot flashes. Uh, I've had trouble falling asleep as long as I can remember, and you know I'm perimenopausal, but this has been a lifesaver. So head over to chilisleep.com slash beans to learn more and check out a special offer available exclusively for Daily Beans listeners and only for a limited time. That's chilisleep, C-H-I-L-I, sleep.com slash beans to take advantage of our exclusive discount and wake up refreshed every day. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Today, I am joined by the executive producer and co-host of the podcast, How Do We Fix It?, which is a member of the Democracy Group, which is a group of podcasts that was set up to discuss democracy reform from all political perspectives. Please welcome Richard Davies. Richard, hello. Hello. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's wonderful. I'm really excited to talk to you. There's a lot of really important topics that we have discussed at length on our particular podcast, including the, the impact that podcasting has on you know, on journalism in general. And your podcast is called How Do We Fix It? And I want you to talk a little bit about what sort of prompted you to set that podcast, to found and create that podcast. And tell me about your co-host and the sort of the things that you discuss, the topics that you discuss. I came out of mainstream media, the, the evil empire. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Yeah. <laughs> I, I worked uh, as a correspondent, um, both a street reporter and a, a show host and a newscaster for ABC News for nearly 30 years. And I came out of it thinking that what we don't cover nearly enough in the media, especially the mainstream media, which has the largest audiences, and therefore the most power, uh, is, is solutions, is how do we deal with some of the crises, some of the uh, problems that we're reporting on? How do we deal with those in a constructive way? How do we look, not necessarily, we're not talking about suggesting solutions, but how do we look for how other cities, other countries, uh, other states are addressing these problems in a creative, constructive way? And so that was the reason why we set up How Do We Fix It? And then we thought there are a lot of really smart people to talk to. And, and our pitch to them is, hey, we will interview you like other podcasts, but we will ask you for some of your ideas around solutions. And I started this six and a half years ago with my dear friend and co-host, Jim Meggs. Um, I lean left of center. G Jim is a um, very much a contrarian and um, uh, a libertarian, and he leans somewhat right of center. And so already we have a little tension between us, mm -hmm. which is we don't always agree on things. We often disagree, but we try and do it in a constructive way where the audience, whatever their political beliefs are, hopefully gets something out of it and can go, oh, okay, there's something here that gives me agency, that potentially empowers me rather than merely depresses me. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about that, because having a constructive opposing viewpoint is quite different than sort of the the pundits, the talking heads that we see on some of the mainstream media, where it's just, I, I think, to just maybe create tension or get clicks. Let's talk a little bit about the bottom line, what drives mainstream media to to do what they do. 
now that the former president is out of office, there's a lot less drama. We don't have daily scandals that back, you know, maybe 10, 15 years ago, one of which would consume a news cycle for a week. And now it's, you know, then for a while there it was like 10 a day. And they've, they've sort of lost that, you know, which is great for democracy, in my personal opinion, but bad for the bad for the news business. And so I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about having that constructive viewpoint as opposed to just having like Rick Santorum on CNN just yelling stuff and the whole concept of reporting on both sides of, of a story. But when one side is just a complete lie, why do you give it oxygen? Do you know what I do? You know what I mean? Mm hmm. I think that it, it's sad, isn't it, that um, we consider it bad for the news media that uh, there aren't as many daily dramas from the White House as there used to be. Uh, you're quite right that um, many newspapers, television shows, radio shows are part of their business model is to outrage and inflame as opposed to inform or shed light on a particular issue. I mean, just take the New York Times, for example. Um, Donald Trump uh, was terrific for their business model. Their uh, subscriptions, their digital subscriptions went up enormously, partially because uh, Trump was on the front page virtually every day. Um, and cable television is especially guilty of this, whether it's on the left uh, or, or on the right that they just simply have guests that um, come on and say the most outrageous things possible just to inflame and annoy people and keep them, keep them watching or keep them listening. And that really has been the business model for far too many parts of the news media. Uh, nuance doesn't sell, but I think it's really needed. That's um, such an, an important concept that nuance doesn't sell. And I think a lot of this can bleed into political messaging as well, because, you know, we, we when we did an entire podcast on the Mueller investigation, the messaging is hard because the Mueller investigation is complex and it has many different moving parts. And there's there's so much nuance that has to be considered that you can't just fit it on a bumper sticker and, and make a message out of it and, and, you know, sound bites and clips. And I think that kind of media behavior that you're talking about has seeped into our politics in, in, for example, when we have a House hearing and each member of a committee gets five minutes to ask a question. And, and most of them don't ask questions. They are just chasing down sound bites that will end up on the news. And I think that that's I mean, it's it's sad for our for our news media, but it's also sad for our democracy that we've ended up, you know, living in this 24 hour news cycle soundbite situation. I think the news media is a big part of the problem, but I don't think it's the only part of the mm -hmm. problem. For instance, uh, the way that both political parties have been gerrymandering and drawing up congressional districts to ensure that the vast majority of congressional districts are uncompetitive. And so therefore, what we find are people from both the left and the right who don't know how to talk to people who don't agree with them because their districts are either very deeply blue or very deeply red. Uh, they're not purple. And so they don't have to persuade people who don't agree with them to vote for their side. Mm. Yeah, we, we talked a lot about uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, who pretty much ran unopposed. Her, her opponent dropped out after it was too late to, to get another Democrat within the election. I think it's a 60 day window. And it was after that. Uh, but I mean, had had that person even run? I mean, I've, I've interviewed so many congressional candidates who who are running to get the message out, but, you know, already kind of resigned to the fact that they aren't going to win because the district is so just ruby red or or or, or very blue. Yeah, um, I haven't done it from the other side. Conservatives. Right. Right. Yeah. Now, how those lines are drawn a lot of the times there, I think there are more moral problems on one side or the other, but that's, you know, speculation and opinion based on pretty heavy numbers. But nonetheless, you know, the reasons behind it, like when we found the Hoffler files with with the white paper where the, the gentleman said, we, you know, we are purposefully drawing these districts to get more white Republicans in one place, for example. But I mean, aside from that, uh, you know, you say it's not just the news media that's the problem. But I, you know, yes, I agree. And yes, and I think that the impact that one has on the other from both sides, you know, from both, not both political sides, but from 
media to politics and politics to media <laughs> is is kind of becoming dangerous. And so when, you know, when we talk about how do we fix it, that, uh, you know, becomes the burning question for us. And, and I think that that might lead into a discussion about where podcasting has an impact on the political landscape. Mm-hmm. Podcasting, I think, has a potential for being really constructive because it's not about 10-second sound bites. Most podcasts are not slickly produced. The danger for podcasts is that, that many only speak to a very narrow audience. And so they are doing nothing to break out of the echo chamber that they find themselves in. But the great thing about podcasting is that it's audio, which means that people with a large nose like me or poor dress sense uh, have equal billing with with beautiful people who uh, probably feature better on television in a video uh, medium. You're not distracted by the way somebody looks when you listen to them. And that is, I think, very helpful when it comes to developing a thought or an idea. Uh, With television, and I've worked in television, you always have to cover what anybody is saying with video, right? There's only a certain amount of time that you can focus your lens on that person, on the person, on the speaker's face. Mm. Whereas with, with audio, it's more intimate. Mm. And I think that it's, you can develop a thought more deeply. To me, it's a more unvarnished human medium. Mm. And I find that exciting. And I think it's very interesting that, there's been such a big increase in the number of people listening to podcasts and to audiobooks in the past 5, 10, 15 years than there ever was before. This is not a broadcast we're, we're, we're putting out. It's a podcast, and it, it, it's more one person to the other rather than a broad, huge uh audience that we're aiming our thoughts at. And one more thing that's different about podcasting is that everyone starts at the beginning. We don't tune in halfway through. Mm -hmm. With a live broadcast, you have to constantly remind people what you're talking about, Mm. reframe it, because many viewers come in or listeners to radio come in halfway through which is not a problem you have to deal with in in podcasting, which again emphasizes the idea that you can really develop a series of thoughts in a a deeper, perhaps more honest way. Yeah, without having to repeat the top line up front every time or bottom line up front, if you want. Yeah, you'll never hear the phrase, for those of you just tuning in, you will never hear that in a podcast. That's a really good point. I have some more questions for you about some how journalism can be dangerous through a mission or hanging on to stories to sell books, but I have to take a quick break. Will you stay with me? Oh, sure. We all have to pay the piper. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, everybody. We'll be right back. Hello, everyone. It's Allison. This portion of The Beans is sponsored by Upstart. What would you do if you didn't have any more high-interest credit card debt? Well, with Upstart, you can pay off your existing debt quickly and easily and start living your life. It's easy to pay off your debt with an online personal loan with Upstart. Over a million people have used Upstart to consolidate their high-interest debt and pay off credit cards or even fund personal expenses with one fixed monthly payment. Upstart looks beyond your credit history to find you a better loan rate by considering other factors such as your income, employment history, and credit history. And you can check your rate without impacting your credit score. It's a soft pull, and it's free to do in minutes for loans between $1,000 to $50,000. What do you have to lose? Just log on, check your rate, see if it's lower than the 16, 17, 15% interest you're paying on credit cards. Because, you know, you make those minimum payments and nothing seems to happen. But now you can see if you qualify for a lower rate, and you can receive your funds as fast as one business day after acceptance of your loan. Find out how Upstart can lower your monthly payments today when you go to upstart.com slash dailybeans. That's upstart.com slash dailybeans. And please use our URL to let them know we sent you. Loan amounts will be determined based on your credit, income, and other certain information provided in your loan application. That's upstart.com slash dailybeans. And today's show is also brought to you by AG. Not me, Athletic Greens. That's the health and wellness company that makes comprehensive daily nutrition, and they make it super easy. Stress, poor sleep, hectic schedules, that all makes it difficult to maintain effective nutritional habits. And I'm an intermittent faster and I'm paleo, so I have huge gaps in my nutrition. But AG1 by Athletic Greens is the category-leading superfood product that brings comprehensive and convenient daily nutrition to everyone. Just one scoop of AG1 has 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food-sourced ingredients, including a multivitamin, a multimineral, 
probiotics, green superfood blend, and more in one convenient daily serving. It's amazing. A special blend of high-quality bioavailable ingredients and a scoop of AG1 work together to fill the nutritional gaps in your diet, and they support energy and focus. They aid with gut health and digestion and support a healthy immune system, effectively replacing multiple products and pills with one healthy, delicious drink. It's lifestyle-friendly, whether you're keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free, and it contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals, and no artificial anything, while keeping it tasting great. My favorite thing about it is that as the research changes, so does AG1. While most nutritional products that come to market never evolve, Athletic Greens continues to obsessively improve AG1 based on the latest research. You know, science. They've had 53 improvements over the last decade and counting. I highly recommend you give it a try. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you an immune-supporting free one-year supply of vitamin D, which is great for the winter. We don't get a lot of vitamin D in the winter. And you'll get five free travel packs with your first purchase. Just visit athleticgreens.com slash dailybeans. Simply visit athleticgreens.com slash dailybeans to take control of your health and give AG1 a try. Everybody, welcome back. We're talking with the co-host and executive producer of How Do We Fix It? It's Richard Davies. And Richard, something I've that's long bothered me, and, and this is, seems to me at least in my world like a more recent phenomenon, and that is when a journalist gets a very important piece of news but hangs on to it for months and months and months so that they can put it in a book and often to the detriment of society. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because, you know, your former ABC, I'm thinking specifically of uh, Jonathan Carl right now. Incredible, intrepid reporting on the, the final weeks of the Trump presidency, but a lot of very important information that I think would have been helpful to committees and perhaps law enforcement or impeachment lawyers sooner than them releasing it in a book, which is out today, I believe. Yeah. John is a, is a former colleague of mine, someone I admire. So I'm not going to speak to his case specifically, but it's an interesting point that you make. And I think there, there may be several reasons for it, and, and some of which are disturbing and others are understandable. Um, I'm thinking about the Watergate investigation in the 1970s by the Washington Post. The Washington Post at the time, actually thanks to Jeff Bezos, still is an organization, a publication with very deep pockets. And so with the Watergate investigation, they published all of their findings as they went along. In the case of at least some newspapers today that are very challenged for funds and are sometimes losing money, that um, it means they cannot fund the kind of investigative journalism that the Post did. And so the only way that a journalist can spend a lot of time investigating something could be through a book deal where the publisher gives her or him an advance with the specific understanding that whatever they find, they don't release until publication date. So that may be part of what's going on here, that there are fewer investigative journalists than there used to be working for deep-pocketed media organizations. Um, that's, that's disturbing in and of itself. But yeah, I, I, I agree that when there's something that's very important to report, that that information should be released as soon as possible. I'm thinking you, you bring up Watergate. We'll talk about Bob Woodward, who had on, you know, on recording, whether he had, you know, whether he was paid to investigate these these things, you know, in advance to get a book deal. But, uh, you know, I remember the recordings coming out eight, nine months later of the former president, maybe seven months later, oh, months later of the president admitting on tape, well, tape, whatever we used to record these days, that he was downplaying COVID and he was doing that on purpose. and. That seems like a, a life and death kind of a, a, of a thing to me. But I mean, contracts are contracts. It was it was upsetting. Mm. Yeah. Let's take another example. Uh, I'm being a bit of a contrarian. I'm pushing back. Good. <laughs> Is it that? Let's take another example. Uh, tax. The New York Times did it. Did a remarkably well reported tax investigation into Donald Trump. A multi part series. Those reports almost sunk without trace. They did not get very much pickup from other media organizations. You could argue that if they'd been released all at once in a book, that they would have got much more coverage and therefore would have had a more important impact on the debate over Trump's finances. 
So that's just that's just another way of looking at it. True, but a couple hundred thousand people didn't die because we didn't have Trump's taxes. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. I don't know where to come down on that. But you know, we have talked to to uh, Mary Trump at length and mm-hmm. all the documents and everything. I mean, that was just that was a very uh, wide ranging, in depth investigation, and it was really well done. But yeah, that's a very good point. Had all that information been released at once, because I think it was like a five part series, and we are, you know, we were waiting. I, you know, I was waiting for each one to come out. When's the next one? When's the next one? But I don't think that that's what most of America was doing. You, you, you mentioned Mary Trump. I mean, her, her book is re- a remarkable read. <laughs> Very interesting insights into the character of, of the former president. But you could argue that why didn't she s- reveal some of that earlier? Um, rather than save it for a book. Yeah. And when and when when asked, she's she she's been asked that, you know, multiple times. I don't like to just get really to get into the weeds without her here. But she was concerned that she would be viewed as a disgruntled niece that was left out of a of a will. And so she didn't know how much mm-hmm. impact she would have. And that was because I think she actually talks about that in the book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, it, you know, again, here we are. <laughs> I am not a, a big proponent of, of the phrase that it is what it is, but it is. And so the, the question then becomes, as is the title of your podcast, how do we fix it? Yeah. And, and what we are trying to do is ask better questions. It's not really a podcast about just suggesting different ways the world can be better, but it's more trying to ask questions about specific issues that perhaps haven't had as much airing as they should have done uh, and how we need to ask better questions, mm-hmm. questions that sometimes cause us real discomfort and rather than just simply cheering for our own side. Mm-hmm. Yeah, understood. And it's not, what you know, there are so many parts, everything can be broken down into so many parts. It reminds me when I was trying to pick a topic for my, for my doctoral dissertation, every time I would come back with a topic, they would say narrower. And I would come back and they go, nope, narrow it. And then I come back, they're like, nope, too broad, narrow it. You know, unless you want to write 10,000 pages, you got to narrow it, narrow it, narrow it. And so I think that this almost a revolution of podcasting and and audio journalism and, and independent investigative journalism is the way that we ask these very pointed and very focused specific questions about a larger problem to solve it pieces at a time. And I think that that's probably one of the greatest impacts that podcasting can have outside of uh, mainstream media. Agreed. Yeah. So thank you for doing what you're doing. And uh, if you could tell everybody where they can follow you and find you and find information on your show, uh, that would be great because I really want to encourage people to listen. Well, thank you. Thanks for giving me the platform. (laughs) How do we fix it? You just simply uh, go to your uh, podcast, uh, wherever you get podcasts and put it, type in or punch in how do we fix it it should come up we're on all the major podcast platforms our website is how do we fix me me because it's very personal how do we fix it and that's the, that's the best way to find out more about it uh, my twitter handle is davies now mm-hmm. okay great so at davies now on twitter everybody give richard davies a follow and check out the podcast how do we fix it wherever you get your shows thanks so much for joining me today this has been a really good discussion i appreciate it A real pleasure. Thank you again. Everybody stick around. We'll be right back with the good news. Ho, 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 ladies. The holidays have come early, not only for you, but also for your man at Manscaped, the leading men's hygiene brand. These are the best gifts for the holiday. It's AG for the Daily Beans here. Our sponsor today is Manscaped. They just launched new products that your man will actually use, including their all new ultra premium body wash and a two in one shampoo and conditioner. Uh, I don't know about you. I'm tired of finding Santa's beard in my dude's pants. So it's time to give the man in your life the gift of beautiful skin, hair, and balls this holiday season. That's right. Go to manscaped.com and use code dailybeans, all one word, for 20% off and free shipping. Some dudes don't realize they need to manscape. Um, so you do. Uh, so giving manscaped is the perfect gift for the Yeti in your life. Their performance package includes the signature lawnmower 4.0. This is an electric trimmer. Has proprietary advanced skin safe technology. It's also waterproof, so you can use it in the shower. And it includes the Crop Preserver and Crop Reviver, the anti chafing ball deodorant, moisturizer, and toner. <laughs> the hygiene bundle also comes with a pair of Manscaped anti chafing boxers that'll keep his North Pole fresh all day. Tis the season to load up on Manscaped products. 
So get your man, your dad, your brother, your friends, the best gift of all, the Manscaped Performance Package 4.0. Get 20% off and free shipping with code DAILYBEANS, all one word, at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code DAILYBEANS. Get your man the gift. You'll both enjoy the gift of manscaping. And today's show is also brought to you by QB. Um, Think about how many hours we spend sitting at our desks or on the couch or watching TV. What if you could turn those otherwise inactive times into opportunities to burn calories and get fit? And that is what I'm doing with my new QB and what I got from my mom. She's using it too. It's C-U-B-I-I, QB. It's a compact elliptical unit that fits right under your desk so you can pedal while you're sitting there watching TV or doing work uh, at your computer. Uh, it's it, and it's super quiet. Like I'm using it right now. You can't even hear it. QB is whisper quiet and it's super easy on your joints. It's low impact. And a recent clinical study confirms it helps burn 84% more energy than just sitting. We all say I'd work out more if I only had more time. Well, QB makes it easy to burn calories and stay active anytime, virtually anywhere. In fact, uh, you can set your QB up in front of the couch, just like I said, to burn some calories while you watch TV. QB is also a perfect solution for anyone who might be housebound or otherwise needs some, some help improving circulation and keeping active. That's why I got this for my mom. She uses it while she listens to the Daily Beans. If you have a parent or loved one who has limited mobility and needs a way to stay healthy and active, QB would be the perfect gift this holiday season. I love mine. My mom loves hers. I know you will love yours. Take advantage of QB's 30-day risk-free in-home trial. 30-day risk-free in-home trial. Turn your least active times into your most productive opportunities to stay healthy with QB. Visit QB.com slash beans to find the QB elliptical model that's right for you. That's QB, C-U-B-I-I dot com slash beans. You'll be glad you did. Everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Well, we'll float on good news is on the way. And if you have any good news or photos, holiday photos, uh, Halloween, Thanksgiving, whatever you got, we want to send me last Christmas stuff. That's cool. What's <laughs> Hanukkah? What, what, whatever. What's the latest thing we were asking for? Oh, I can't geez. remember. I can't remember either. It was something good though. Yeah, I, I, we'll probably see some in here, and, and I'll be You'd be like, <laughs> "Oh, that's it." Yeah, I'll be reminded of it. But let's let's kick this off. Oh, by the way, you can send everything in at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. First up from Carolyn, pronouns she and her. Hey, beans queens, I have a small correction and some good news? Question mark. You truly have a great podcast. You build a great community. I listen to the beans almost daily, and I found it a great accompaniment to my morning walks with my Choco Lab mochi. Oh. I love Choco Labs. Okay, so very good opening there from Carolyn. Thank you, Carolyn. So here's the correction. In your discussion with Laura Packard on bulk drug purchasing, you mentioned that Manchin's daughter was steeped in the controversy about insulin pricing. That's not true. While CEO of Myelin Pharmaceuticals, the company jacked up the price of the EpiPen. That's right, that's right, that's right. Causing enormous frustration among patient communities. Also a bad thing, but not insulin. Thank you, Carolyn. You're so right. And my good news, my refrigerator sucks. <laughs> uh, sucks, 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 sucks. We replaced the ice maker about six months ago. It stopped working about a month later. Facing down an impending kitchen remodel and a brand new fridge, I decided to fuck it and not bother with trying to get the appliance repair person to honor the warranty. I've been filling ice cube trays and buying ice from the store ever since. Fast forward to this morning, we're about a week out of complete demolition of the kitchen and disconnecting the fridge from the water supply. Lo and behold... I hear the distinct thump of new ice hitting the storage tray. <laughs> Holy shit. This damned fridge chose now to finally fix itself. WTF. Yeah, I knew it was about to get the, the boot, I think. Oh, my God. This looks like a human, by the way. This is for, such a beautiful picture. For pod pet tax, I'm attaching photos of some of the goats that live on my sister's farm in Oregon and a photo of one of the many rainbows we saw when we visited there in late October. Look at how beautiful and this snout. I don't know what you would, I guess goats have snouts. Uh, <laughs> it's amazing. And the eyes, look at the <laughs> eyes, the way they, they are. <laughs> With the little kind of slots there. Yes. The little square, little rectangle pupils. I like the smile on the first one, by the way. Hello. I know. There's some smirk in that goat. Oh my God. These are fantastic. (gasps) Oh, that's so pretty. Carolyn, these make me so happy. Beautiful. Thank you, Carolyn. Thank you for that. And yes, yes. EpiPen. Mm -hmm. EpiPen, not insulin. Indeed. All right. This next one is from Melissa, pronouns she and her. I've been dealing with a cancer diagnosis for about two months now. My treatment's going great. I'm starting to feel very overwhelmed with being on my own, especially during COVID. And this week, it just got worse with the flooding of the Sumas Prairie. 
Sumas Prairie is basically built on the lake bed of Sumas Lake, which was drained about 100 years ago to make way for agriculture in the area. When the Nooksack River gets high in Washington State, guess what gets flooded? Anyways, with everything going on for the past couple of days in the floodwaters, including the fact that supply chains have disrupted because of all of the highways leading into the lower mainland being washed out due to mudslides and because of not only chemo brain, it's a thing, but also my autism spectrum diagnosis. I've had trouble with making sense of things and my load has become too heavy as a result. To that end, I'm going to stay with my parents until I am done with my cancer treatments and surgery. As my mom said, the trailer I'm carrying has just become too heavy. Mm. Attached for my pod tax. I don't know why that last sentence got me. Attached for my pod tax are a couple of photos I took um, of the floodwaters in Sumas Prairie in Abbotsford, B.C. And I will say, Melissa, there is absolutely nothing wrong with going to be with people that know how to love and take care of you while you fight and heal yourself and do what you need to to get rid of this poison in your body. And I fully support you having to go live with your parents until you are done with your cancer surgery and your treatments. I hope that you can find peace in that because I think it's going to be a wonderful place for you to heal. Mm. Yeah, big hugs. And seriously, that's so brave and courageous of you to recognize that your trailer is too heavy. Absolutely. A lot of us aren't capable or um, try to power through things much to our the detriment of our health and well-being. And so I congratulate you on that, that bravery. The oh, Wow, look at this. I know, gorgeous. And the, look at those floods, that flood though. I wow. Know. Wow. But yeah, what beautiful, what a beautiful part of uh, the country. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. And it's a great reminder to everyone. We're, you know, we're, we're here for you if you need to take a break. Absolutely. That's what families do. Next up from Anonymous, pronouns she and her. Hello, Beans Queens. Not sure if this falls under shit kids say or messed up swears. Uh, let's call it both, Anonymous. But I work in a public high school. Oh, God. So I hear weird things. <laughs> I don't usually care too much. About swearing in my classroom. Don't usually care too much about that. I take more of a fuck is okay, but absolutely no slurs approach. However, not all kids fully get that. I was walking past a student who was talking to another at the end of the day, and I must have looked directly at him because he was halfway through the fuck, the F you, when he saw me and just said, Jeff. <laughs> I asked him if he tried to cover up fuck with Jeff, and he just nodded. <laughs> I've mentioned it to a few other teachers, and now it's fuh, Jeff is an enjoyable alternate swear. Fudgeff. Thanks for all you do. Oh, also, pet tax. Please enjoy these pictures of my cat, Minerva, being a weirdo. Oh. Oh, she's adorable. Oh, my God. Just enjoying the art, though. Yeah, I love that photo, that painting. That's fantastic. I also love the story. Oh, the last one. <laughs> going in. We are going in. I love that. I love that teachers that give their kids a little bit of slack. I was doing my student teaching and I never cursed in front of my kids. And then one day I went back after I had already finished and one of my kids had, um, uh, I, I went back to visit the kids that I was teaching. And one of them came up to me and he said, you know, <laughs> I'm going to say coach because it was physical education. And then people laughed, but coach Goldberg, um, he said, I failed, uh, I failed ninth grade. And I said, without thinking, you've got to be fucking kidding me. And you should have seen the look on his face. And I was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I had been displaced from the situation for so long that I forgot I don't curse in front of children. Uh, but every once in a while, it comes out. It comes out and give them the same freedom. All right, this is from Jennifer, pronounced she and her. Hello, Beans Queens. I was a consumer of NPR for many, many years. I was unsatisfied with how all media outlets were reporting on the Afghanistan withdrawal, so I stopped listening. A good dear friend of mine guided me towards your podcast. The rest is history. I now listen every day while I'm at work. Smiley face. Oh. Welcome. Welcome indeed. As for shit kids say, or in my case, shit teens say, sometimes as a parent, we ask questions that we already know the answer to, you know, just cause. And I had already known that she received an email from the college she was to attend. I just can't remember exactly why the email was so important. So I asked, did you receive blah, 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 daughter? No, I didn't. Me. Are you sure? Daughter. Wait, do you mean the email from don't, don't know? Oh my God. Don't know triply? Me, confused as fuck. From who? Now, at this point, she gets the laptop and shows me the email, and I've never laughed so hard in my life. The email said, do not reply. Like, don't know, do not reply as one word. Dono Trepley? Dono Trepley? 
Yeah, it still gets laughs and chuckles as I remind her of the on occasion of the two of Dono Triply. <laughs> Hilarious. As for my pet tax, I've attached a few pics of my fur babies. One is the three of them locked into the creature they were hunting. Jesus. Coco, a tortie, she is an oldie. She's about 14. And Andy, she's our baby. Sorry for her indecent exposure. <clears throat> Thank you all for everything that you do. Oh, oh. Look at this little ballerina feet. Oh, and doing a lewd. So cute. Oh, yeah. There's the lewd. Thank you for those. Thank you for that. That's hilarious. Don't know tree ply. Don't know tree ply. <laughs> Next up from Stephanie, pronoun she and her. Hi, Allison, Dana, Amy, and the rest. As always, thank you for everything you do. Muller, she wrote, was the second ever podcast I listened to after Allison was on Getting Curious with Jonathan Van Ness. I never thought I could be so knowledgeable about politics, but you've helped greatly in that department. Thank you. I love JVN. As a kindergarten teacher, I'm sure I will have many submissions for shit kids say, but here's the first one. This week, we're reading a story about animal babies that live in grasslands. I put on a little introduction video showing tons of different animals that live in Africa. Naturally, the tiny humans were stoked and began shouting out the names of the animals they knew. Giraffe, lion, zebra, and then cantaloupe. I was immediately tickled and stopped gently to explain the differences between cantaloupe and antelope. To be honest, the fact that she was so close to the correct name impressed me and I told her so. My job certainly can be stressful and overwhelming at times, but moments like these are my why. Oh my God. For my tax, here's a photo of my niece Haley on Halloween. She was the cutest Snow White in all the land. She is the cutest in all the land, even when she's not Snow White. Look at that face. Look at Haley's sweet, perfect face. On her little cheeks. I want to pinch the cheeks. Oh, my goodness. Stephanie, your niece is beautiful. Oh, what a sweet little bit. And those shoes, I want them in my size. They look very I'm telling you, this fucking baby fever that I have, it comes and goes, but... <laughs> uh, and my, don't listen. I mean, my tubes also tie and untie themselves based on children's behavior around me. But, you know, <laughs> and when I see kids like this, I'm like, oh, give me three of them. So adorable. Thank so, you. So Thank cute. you. Thank you for sending that in. If anyone wants to send in your costumed children and or pets or, you know, grandparents or yourselves, whatever you want to send in, send them to us, please. And uh, also interested. Oh, I remember. It's what you're thankful for. Send in what you're thankful That's for. It. That's so funny. And, I was about to say something. <laughs> and then also, uh, you know, maybe let us know what your what your feast is going to be like. What are you bringing to the, oh, to the Thanksgivings? Go. I'm in charge of green bean casserole this year, which makes sense because I'm from Ohio. Very nice. Yep. So that that's my job. They always give it to me. They're like, where's the white trash casserole lady? There you are. Oh, so good though. And then, so yeah, that's what I'm bringing. Uh, and I'm not going to try to fancy it up. I know some people try to make it all fancy. Nope. I'm going to use the Campbell's soup and the frozen French cut green beans and the, the little crispy onions on top. Mm-hmm. Now I'm just going to say, do not change your recipe. However, comma, there is crunch, there's crispy fried jalapeno things from Trader Joe's, and I don't mean to give an ad for Trader Joe's on this podcast. Who knows? Maybe we'll get them as a sponsor one day. But um, they're so good. So if you want to add some spice to like your your creaming casserole and you like those crunchy little onions, just fair warning, they're really fucking spicy, but they're delicious. Ooh, they're little crispy sounds- jalapenos. You know what I might use those for, though? Um, my deviled eggs. I have a special Ooh. deviled eggs recipe. That's a good idea. I I don't use mayonnaise and mustard. I use avocado. Oh. And lime juice. Keep talking. Yeah. And then I put little crunchy um, bacons. Yeah. On them. But those crispy jalapenos sound like they might be great for a a vegetarian option. Yeah. Oh, good idea. Yeah. Just remember they are hot, 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 hot. But I'm in charge of, I'm not really in charge of anything I'd suggest, but I'm making Brussels sprouts, um, roasted Brussels sprouts with a balsamic glaze and mm. dried cranberries and almonds. And then I'm going to try and make my first, like I said at the beginning, my first pumpkin pie. We'll see how it goes. Pumpkin pie. Yeah. I, I'm going to try those crispy jalapenos for that deviled egg recipe. And then I'm going to call, I'm going to say, are you afraid of my heat? And then my Guatemalanes. Your what? <laughs> my mother was the high priestess of her tribe. <laughs> Why'd you move to New Jersey? <laughs> I don't know. It's so stupid. <laughs> It's just one of the best movies of all time. <laughs> I'm going to watch it again tonight. All right. 
Uh, any final thoughts today, Dana? No, I think I got those out of my system. All right, everyone, tune in tomorrow to find out if Dana has any final thoughts. Until then, please take care of yourselves, take care of each other, take care of the planet, and take care of your mental health. I've been Allison Gill. And I have been Dana Goldberg. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg and Amy Carrero. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com.